Friends, it really is a joy to be together today, and it is wonderful to be able to worship, to join our voices and our hearts in seeking out this God who is continually calling us and has been calling us throughout the summer to reconsider the way that we see and interpret and interact with this world. Our scripture for today comes from Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. It's, um, for those of you who have been around the church for a while, you might have heard this being referred to as the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. Here's the parable for today, this little story that Jesus told. He says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? I like that little passive aggressive on the servant's part, right? And the sower says, An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Friends, if you will, let's join together in prayer. God, we are grateful that you have given us your scripture to guide us over the generations and that you continue to give us your spirit abundantly, that we will be able to interpret and to understand your wisdom as we read your scriptures. We pray for that wisdom today, that you will speak into our hearts, that you will speak through our common sense and give us some amount of your understanding of the world. Help us to understand your priorities, to understand your values, and give us the courage to be able to make your values and your priorities our values and priorities, that we do not go by our own understanding, but that we go by yours. We are imperfect people, but Lord, we know that it is in our weaknesses and imperfections that you make your way known. That's what we pray for today. In Jesus' name, amen. So friends, when we join into our scripture for today, we are joining Jesus near the start of his teaching career. This parable about the weeds and the wheat is only the second parable that Jesus tells. And he's telling it in what you could say is sort of his third unit of teaching in the book of Matthew. And right before he tells this second parable, he tells the first parable that he ever tells. And that parable is one that's also really familiar for us. And he explains, after he tells them that parable, the disciples ask for him to explain it, and so he does. And this is how he explains his first parable, which was also about a sower and some seeds. And he says this, this is in the message. He says to his disciples, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity disappears. That's why I tell stories, says Jesus. That's why I tell parables, to create readiness 
to nudge people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again when Isaiah said, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes up shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. That's why Jesus tells parables, in his words, spruced up a little bit. And this summer, we have been going through the parables that Jesus told one by one for the very reasons that Jesus says so in scripture, to prepare our hearts, to ready ourselves for the kingdom that is coming, to receive the wisdom of God and abandon to our own, to become so fluent in the ways of God that soon the insight and the understanding of God will flow so freely from our thoughts and our words and our actions. We'll do it as our first and primary nature. To follow the wisdom of the Proverbs, we are looking to trust in God with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, to acknowledge God in all our ways and to allow God to direct our paths. That's what this series has been about, to reframe the way that we live in this world. And so far, as we've looked through the parables to give us insight and instruction on how to do this, we have seen one thing is consistent, that God's way is never our way. When we would have canceled the party, when everyone said that they weren't going to show up, God instead invites in strangers and rejects off of the street until the walls are full. When we would have assessed someone's value by their merit, God ignores merit in favor of grace. When we would have grabbed power by force and by might, making sure that our way is done because we are consistently having it done so, God enacts an eternal power through a gentleness that is so light in the touch that it can hardly be detected. God's way is never our way. We see that through the parables, and today is no different. So now I want us to remember that this is only the second parable that Jesus ever told. The first parable was a story. It had to do with the sower and the seeds. We talked about it earlier. And it was a story about how when the sower scatters the seed, it falls on all sorts of different soil. The seed falls on the beaten path, the rocky places, thorny places, good soil. And when the disciples asked Jesus to explain this parable to them, he said that all the different kinds of soil were like our hearts and that the seeds were good news. For those of us that have been beaten down and are now hard-hearted, like the path, then the good news would never be able to take root. For those of us that are shallow, the good news might take root very quickly, but then it fades just as quickly when the sun comes up and things get hot. For those of us that are crowded with worry or are overcome with concern for money, Jesus' words, not mine, 
then the good news is choked out of our hearts by those competing commitments, by where we put our attention other than where we put it on the good news. And then for those of us that hear the good news and prioritize it and linger on it and try and seek understanding in it, it's only then, Jesus says, that it will take root in our souls and flourish. So it's right after he explains this first story, this first parable of his, that he goes straight into the second parable, which is our story for today, talking again about a sower, which makes all of us as people who are listening think, ha, I know where this is going. He just explained the last one. I totally got this in the bag, right? Right? Yeah. So the sower goes to sow good seeds in this story, but then a second sower comes and scatters weeds among the seeds. And no one knows that this has happened until the crop starts to grow. And then the farmhands realize once it is already growing that the crop is a mess. And so naturally, the first thing that the farmhands do is go to the sower and say, are you sure that you sowed good seed? Because if you did, there shouldn't be any weeds in here. Don't you know you messed this up? Sorry. But the sower is really unfazed. And he says that he's not the only one in the neighborhood with seeds. There's someone else who has been sowing the weeds. And so then the farmhands ask what is really a reasonable question that's common to practice. They say, do you want us to go and pull up those weeds? To which the sower replies, nope, because if you pull up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat and we want the fruit to be preserved. So I'll figure it all out in the end. Just let it be. Now, the good news for us is that just like he did in the first parable, Jesus explains the second parable to his disciples as well. That wasn't part of our scripture passage for today, but if we were to keep on going a bit further along in the chapter, we would see that after a couple of parables, Jesus talks about how um, yeast and mustard seeds, how little things have the power to change the big things. After he tells those, the disciples ask for him to explain this one about the weeds and the wheat. And Jesus says this, he says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, which is how Jesus referred to himself. The field is the world, the pure seeds are the subjects of the kingdom, the weeds are the subjects of the devil, and the enemy that sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, the harvest hands are the angels, the picture of weeds pulled up and burned is a scene from the end times, and the Son of Man will send his angels, weed out all those thistles from his kingdom, pitch them in the trash, and be done with them. They are going to complain to high heaven, but no one's going to listen, Jesus says. At the same time, ripe, holy lives will mature and adorn the kingdom of their Father. Well, thank you, Jesus, right? How many of you feel really encouraged by that interpretation? I'll be really honest, that's not how I would have liked to have interpreted it. Number one, it's nothing like that first one, right? I liked that first one when we as humanity were the soil. That was really good because if we are soil, then we can be changed. If humanity is soil, then all we need in order to be made fruitful is to be churned up mixed in with something new, given fresh nutrients like water and sunlight and nitrogen, have the rocks and the weeds pulled out of us and then we're good to go. And there's a lot of hope in the parable when people are dirt. If only we could be dirt in this parable too, amen? I wanna be dirt, don't you? 
If only we could be dirt where the fields, if our lives were the places where good things were sown, where bad things were unwelcome intruders, where the good and the bad are forced to dwell within us together until all of it will be straightened out for us in the end by the God who makes all things good, if only, if only. Jesus didn't bother explaining more than two or three parables throughout his whole ministry. Why did he have to explain this one? Because then we could have gone on thinking that we were dirt but we're not dirt. Jesus says in this that humanity is the seeds. And some people are good seeds sown into the earth by Jesus, and some people are bad seeds sown into the earth by the devil. And I'll tell you, that's really the part about this parable that makes me feel uncomfortable. Because qualifying people into good and bad, into us and them, into favored and unfavored, that's not what Jesus is about anywhere else in the Gospels. Far from it. Jesus spends his three years on earth telling people that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. That there are a lot more chosen ones than just the children of Israel. That women and children and servants have just as much value, if not more, in God's eyes than the landowners and the temple leaders. Wherever the people around him held this dichotomy between good and bad and in and out, Jesus made a point to challenge their thinking and to remind them that all of humanity bears the image of God's love of God's face. He reminds them that no one could be counted out, not the poor and disenfranchised, and not the Pharisees and the temple leaders. All people have inherent worth. That's what Jesus' ministry is about. So what is he talking about here? Saying that some are good and some are bad and giving us the impression that we can't do a thing about it. This is where I think that a little lesson in botany can help us. The weeds that were most pervasive in the fields of ancient Israel were called darnel. And while it wasn't uncommon for farm workers to weed the fields that the wheat was growing in while the wheat was growing, it was easy for farm workers to miss Darnell because Darnell looks almost exactly like wheat. And the difference between Darnell and real wheat, it wouldn't become evident until the really, really the end. It would only become evident when the both plants would mature and the ears would appear. Because the ears of the real wheat were heavy and would droop, whereas the ears of the darnel were empty, and so they would stand upright. That's the only way that you could tell the difference between what was a weed and what was wheat. And when we start talking about what each seed produces, I think then this parable starts to sound a little more familiar. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all about who we are on the inside and believing that who we are on the inside will eventually be reflected in what we produce on the outside. Our uh, seminary intern, Duke, who just left, he said it really simply a couple of weeks ago. He said, it's not enough to do good, we actually have to be good. 
and we talk about it all the time in here in the contemporary service. Jesus is concerned with who we are authentically on the inside before Jesus is concerned with who we appear to be on the outside. If we think about the weed among the wheat, it's exactly a parallel. The weed among the wheat can grow up straight and tall and proud, indistinguishable from everything around it. We can do that. We can grow up straight and tall and proud, indistinguishable from a Christian who is seeking to produce that fruit, just like the Darnell. But if we don't have the actual fruit to bear, then we are just for show. We can go to church and pay our taxes and be generally good people in society, but if we aren't bearing the fruit of God's kingdom, then we are just weeds. And we might enjoy now that benefit of being indistinguishable from the true wheat that is around us, but the time will come where we will be found out and it won't come until the very end. Friends, I know what this sounds like, believe me, I'm saying it. But the calling that we have as Christians is daunting and the truth is that Jesus Christ never lowers the bar from what he asks for disciples and Jesus Christ doesn't ask anything less than our whole entire lives. But the good news here, as we consider this wheat and the weeds, the good news here is that we are not seeds that we are people, and that as people, we have a choice in how we are going to participate in putting fruit out there into the world. Um, Have any of you ever heard of the fruits of the Spirit? It's listed in Galatians. Yeah. I, uh, as is usually the case with me, I only remember most spiritual things through my children. They example it the best to me. And a couple of years ago, they came home from a VBS they were attending, and um, they were singing this song. The fruit of a spirit's not a coconut. (laughs) Fruit of a spirit's not a coconut. You get to join me next time, coconuts. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it that you can't be a fruit of the spirit because the fruit is... Love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. It's not embarrassing at all. (laughs) Friends. You You know I'm going to make you do it later, Todd. We are not seeds, we are people. We are children of God. We are given that identity freely and we are called and we are equipped with everything that we need to bear that fruit of the kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are equipped with everything that we need to bear that fruit. When we bear that fruit, there are two things that will be true. One is, we will be bent over. (laughs) We will be burdened. We will be heavy. Because the fruit of the Spirit is not fluff. It has real grit to it. 
So the, when we bear fruit, we will be heavily burdened. And the second thing that's true is that all that comes out of us when we are bearing fruit, all that comes out of us will reflect those values of God's kingdom and those priorities of the world as God intended it to be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Love, what is it? In self-control, thank you. I wasn't singing, so I didn't, yeah, thank you. Steve Todd made sure we got that up at the end. Um, So what I'm trying to say, my friends, is that in those moments, if we are going to be heavy and we are going to be seeing those great things coming out of our lives, then in those moments when we see ourselves producing anything different, anything different at all, when we see ourselves producing hate or despair or brashness or irritability, when we see ourselves producing meanness or sinisterness, treachery, harshness, or self-indulgence, when we see any of that coming outside of us, then we have an opportunity to participate in correcting it, to confess it, to ask for the Spirit's intervention, and to be people instead who bear good fruit. The truth is that it's not going to be done exclusively for us. The good and the bad, we are asked to dwell together. And if you're coming to Backyard Worship tonight, then we're going to talk a little bit more about that in depth. But the good news is that we are not seeds, that we have that ability to participate in the fullness of the kingdom. Because whenever we are people who are participating in the fullness of life, then we are participating as wheat. And when we have nothing to bear, then we're just empty weeds. Please join me as we pray. Almighty God, as we go into the world, we go bearing some of your harsh words. They're not harsh because they're mean. They're harsh because they're hard. It's easy for us to give ourselves outs, to say that we're mostly this way, to say that We are good to the people that we love, that we are kind to our family. But that's not what you ask of us. You ask for us to be people who are kind and good and gentle and loving always. To those whom we love and to those whom nobody loves. As we try to reframe our lives to be more in line, to be fully in line with your kingdom, Please convict our hearts in the moments where we need it most. To be people, when we snap at a child, who have the humility to bend down and ask for forgiveness. To be people, when we snipe at the person at work and try to get ahead, who slow down an example that generosity of spirit that you example to us every day. God, help us to be people who more and more and more reflect the light of your kingdom, the fullness of your grace, and who do it particularly in those times when we are faced with the empty promises of the weeds of this world. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.